0: Good morning. Good morning I just want to um add my greetings to those of of the pastor and and john uh to to everybody here and everybody online as well so I'm still getting used to the fact that uh uh we're visible over the internet here and um but it's great for the few times that i've um had uh have have logged in and been able to partake in a service even though I couldn't be here physically It's just awesome to be able to have that um that ability and that service. Um, if you could please turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Now, you may recall from when we looked at chapters 1 and 2 that there was a lot of dialogue going on between the prophet and God. And he asked two questions of the Lord. The first was, How long will unrighteousness and injustice prevail amongst the people of Judah? And as part of this question, he implied that the Lord did not hear his cries and it was as if he was absent and was allowing this state of affairs to just continue on. But God wasn't absent, he wasn't unhearing or uncaring. He actually had a plan in mind and he was about to put it into action. He replied, I'm going to use the mighty and ruthless nation of Babylon to overrun the people of Judah and to carry them off into exile. Oh, no, that's much better. would have got about three pages through fuzziness before I realised. Anyway, Babylon was about to be his tool of chastisement on Judah and, and Judah had rebelled against him. And this was not the answer that Habakkuk was expecting. In fact, the prospect of what was about to happen was quite horrifying. So he asks God a second question. Why would you use this entirely godless and violent nation to carry out the correction of your people? It doesn't make sense. Well, this question was answered too. And in his answer, he stated two things. And both of these statements were embedded in the fact that he is sovereign and that he has things under control and that his purposes and plans would be fulfilled. To the people of Judah he said, The just shall live by faith. They were to trust in the Lord no matter what. Now you may remember from my last sermon that Paul quoted that statement in his teaching on three separate occasions. And he was encouraging us to also live by faith. Now about the Babylonians, he states that their heart is full of pride and as such he declared them as not being upright. And this was followed by the four woes that condemned the Babylonians for their character and for the actions that they were about to undertake. Now just as a footnote, history following the time of Habakkuk does reveal that the Babylonians only remained the powerhouse nation that they were for a very short period of time. They were wiped out not too long after the exile. And then after 70 years, the people of Judah were delivered from exile by the Lord and he led them back to Jerusalem. However, as we stand in Habakkuk today, those events had not yet happened. Chapter 3 is the prophet's prayer of praise in response to the Lord's revelation? And there are a few things that stand out in this prayer. God is declared as being sovereign, He is victorious over His enemies, and He also has a history of delivering and rescuing His people. And that will be the focus of this morning's message that He saves His people. And I think that's a great message. For us to be reminded of as we head into a new year, the Lord delivers and saves His people. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning, and Lord, we pray that you open this this word up, and Lord, speak to us personally, and Lord, as a church as well. We just uh, thank you that you've placed everything in here for us to equip us, to lead us, to encourage us, and to um, just to cause us to go on and and seek you in all aspects of our lives and to see your purposes come through. In Jesus' name, Amen. So some experts refer to Habakkuk's prayer as being an ode or or a piece of poetry. And they also note that there are two other parallel works of poetry found elsewhere in Scripture. And the first one is Deuteronomy chapter 33 verses 2 to 5. Now this is um, Moses' blessing on Israel which he pronounces shortly before the time of his death. And in the first part of this blessing he refers to Sinai. Now Sinai was a defining moment in the history of Israel. They had been rescued from Egypt and then at Sinai God brought his law to his people. They were sitting at his feet, and they received the law from him. And one statement in, in Moses' blessing sticks out, and that's in verse 2. And that is that he loves his people. And that is part of his motivation for delivering them out of Egypt, because of his love for them. Now, the second parallel ode is Psalms 77 verses 13 to 20. And this is another a passage of praise which refers to the greatness of the Lord and how he redeems his people and how they were led out of slavery by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So like those other passages, what we are looking at this morning is a prayer of praise about God's greatness, about how he is victorious over his enemies and about how he delivers his people whom he loves. And... um, there's also some indications that this prayer was to be set to music. There's a reference in verse 1, which I'm going to expand on in a few moments. And then there is the use of the word silah, and that's used at different points in the passage. Now you probably recognise this word from the Psalms. And it is thought that silah is a musical pause or silence, like an interlude and it gives time for uh, contemplation. And then there is a dead giveaway in the final verse right at the end of this um, book, which states, to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. So that's probably a um, bit of a dead dead giveaway that it was uh, meant to be set to music. Now, it is also thought that this prayer is a formula of prayer and public worship that was intended for the people who were to be sent into exile. They were to pray and sing this prayer before their great deliverer. They would declare how he would stand between them and their enemies, and it was a song of faith and expectancy that their Lord would save them and deliver them out of captivity and return them to their own land. So let's move on to verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shigannoth. Now, the first thing that I noticed when I was repair, preparing this message on Habakkuk 3, and I opened up my Bible, and there was this word, Shigannoth, And I thought, oh, awesome. <laughs> There's another Hebrew word that I've got to struggle around. However, I was quite excited when I looked into what the word actually means. Shiganov is a musical term, and it is the plural form of the word shigeon. Now, most experts believe it to mean to praise with strong emotion and passion. So this prayer, this song of the people, was to be sung with passion and strong emotion. And you could quite believe that, given that it is a song of worship that was sung by a people who were in exile. They were waiting upon the Lord to rescue them. So this is not just another hymn. It was of real relevance and meaning to their actual physical situation. Now, there is only one other place in Scripture where this term, or the singular form of this word, is used, and that would be Psalms 7. Now, there are similar themes. Both passages paint a picture of dire trouble and both end with the praise of the Lord for his deliverance from that trouble. So what I've done is I've just got the first couple of verses of Psalm 7 and the last verse, just to give you an idea of what it is about. Psalm 7, verse 1. A Shegean of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush, a Benjamite. O Lord my God, I take refuge in you, save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me like a lion, and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. And if we drop down to verse seventeen, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness and will sing praise to the the name of the Lord Most High. Now, there are the same elements here in Habakkuk's prayer as well. So there's grave peril, there's a call to be saved, and the praise of the Lord who does save. So Habakkuk chapter 3 and Psalm 7 were both songs of prayer that were sung passionately And all about God's deliverance. Now, the scholars go on to explain that these Shigeon songs were far from mundane. Not only were they impassioned, they would have been sung triumphantly, with rapidity, and with abrupt changes of tune. Now, I'm not sure what that would have sounded like. So, um, maybe a modern equivalent. Might be a mashup between a national anthem, a rap song, and a rock ballad. Not that I'm any sort of musical maestro, by the way. You ask my wife, she will tell you. I apparently have the musical talent of a strangled cat and the musical taste of a dinosaur. Dinosaurs have been extinct for a little wee while. The point is that God's deliverance and salvation is critically important and worthy to be emotional and passionate about. So let's go on to verse 2, the opening part of the prayer. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make it known. In wrath Remember mercy. Habakkuk acknowledges and accepts God's word of the coming chastisement of his people. And he stands in reverential fear of this judgment. But he also knows of the Lord's track record of rescuing his people. So he exhorts the Lord to complete the work that he is about to start, to perfect it. The people will be punished by Babylon, but the completion of God's work would be their deliverance from exile. And he also calls for this deliverance to come about in their own time, not many centuries later. Now, I don't know if Habakkuk saw the demise of the Babylonians, and I don't think that he would have been around for the return from exile, but people praying this prayer at the time of the exile would have done. In the midst of their years of exile the work of the Lord's salvation and his mercy would have been evident to them and they would have witnessed it coming into fruition. Now verses uh, 3 to 15 they make up the main part of this prayer. So we'll read through this section in its entirety and then we're going to come back and just focus on a few things. So Habakkuk Chapter 3, verse 3. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Silah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand, and there his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence, and fever followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered, the perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kashan in affliction, the curtains of the land of Median trembled, O oh Lord, were you displeased with the rivers? Was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea? That you rode on your horses, your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made quite ready. Oaths were sworn over your arrows. Silah. You divided the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of your arrows they went, at the shining of your glittering spear. You marched through the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth for the salvation of your people for the salvation with your anointed. You struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck. Silah. You thrust through with his own arrows the head of his villagers. They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor in secret. You walked through the sea with your horses, through the heap of great waters." So we'll move pretty quickly over this section with me expanding on just a few of the more interesting references here and there. Um, Most of the things here are pretty straightforward once we, we quickly look at them, so it's pretty easy to follow through. Now, the main purpose of this section of the prayer was to inspire enthusiasm and encouragement in those who recited it and sang it. It points to God's greatness and how at different times he was victorious over his enemies and how he rescued his people. We see in verse 3 there's a, um, a reference to Taman and Mount Paran. Now, Taman is the country self of Judah. And Paran is the desert region which extends from the south of Judah down to Sinai. So this is a reference to the Exodus coming up from the south. It's about God rescuing his people from Egypt. And again we, we see that reference there to, to Sinai and what took place there. Uh, we see in verse 5 he talks about pestilence and plagues that go before him and follows at his feet. So the Lord used these to destroy the enemies of Israel. And of course the obvious example is the plagues of Egypt. Now if we jump down to verse 7, there are a couple of uh, possible different meanings there. Uh, And he talks about um, uh, Kashan and, and Midian. Now some scholars think that the reference to Kashan and Midian is a reference to the deliverance of Israel from Midian, by Gideon I didn't do that on purpose it's just the way it went now you'll recall the account of Gideon from the book of Judges when he had, when he had um, 300 men and they used torches and trumpets and they threw the Midian army into chaos um, before defeating them it uh, could also be another reference to the Exodus and how the neighbouring people feared the Lord when he delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. So it's one or the other, or it could be both. It's it's very possible. Now verse 8 is very interesting. In verse 8, the following questions are asked. Why are you angry with rivers? Why do you have displeasure in them? Why do you display wrath against the sea? Now when I thought about it, the answer to that question wasn't very clear to me at all. Um, But one commentator claims that it is a reference to the Red Sea, where Moses parted the water, saving them from the Egyptians. And also to the Jordan River, where the water was parted, so that the people of Israel could enter into the Promised Land. Now the answer to the questions is actually in the second part of that verse, where the Lord rode on his horses his chariots of salvation. It wasn't a case that the Lord was displeased or angry with waters. Rather, this question was asked to demonstrate His pleasure in being able to stand between them and His people and their enemy, and thus delivering them and saving them. Verse 11, the sun and the moon stood still. Now, this could be an allusion to Joshua chapter 10 and the victory at Gibeon. Um, This could indicate that God's triumph over his enemies would be just as great in the exile situation as it was uh, on that occasion. Verse 13 talks directly of him saving his people and his anointed, uh, which are one and the same. So according to the NIV study Bible, the anointed is a a reference to the covenant nation of Israel. In Exodus chapter 19 verse 6, they are called a kingdom of priests. So they are the anointed. And the striking of the head of the house of the wicked, also in verse 13, is probably referring to Pharaoh. And, and so it goes on. Verses 14 and 15 is all about the destruction of Egypt in, at the Red Sea. So we get this picture of how mighty God is how he triumphs over his enemies and how he saves his people. And this is all part of Habakkuk's prayer. Now jumping back to the second part of verse 6, amongst all of this we see this declaration that his ways are everlasting. This characteristic of God saving his people is also everlasting. And you only have to look at his track record. At the fall in the Garden of Eden, he puts into motion his plan of salvation. We read about that in Genesis 3. He delivered Noah and his family from the worldwide flood. He rescued Israel from Egypt at the time of Moses, which we've touched on quite a bit already this morning. And then at various times he saved his people individually and as a nation throughout the history of the Old Testament. Now some examples of this are David and then again that account that we had of Gideon. Now the people who prayed this prayer and worshipped the Lord through it would later be delivered from exile and would be returned to Jerusalem. Now coming to the New Testament he provided salvation and deliverance from the penalty of sin for his people at the cross we just celebrated Christmas didn't we and this is a time to commemorate the start of Christ's earthly ministry and it also points us to Calvary which is where that ministry was fulfilled and of course we look forward to God's ultimate salvation and his deliverance when Christ returns the good news today And going into 2023 is that the Lord is in the salvation business. He always has been and he always will be. Now I've um, labelled verse 16 the prophet's reality as the focus comes back onto Habakkuk. Verse 16. When I heard my body trembled, My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself. That I might rest in the day of trouble, when he comes up to the people. He will invade them with his troops. Verse 16 reminds us of the reality of what Habakkuk was facing. The Lord had answered his earlier questions, and had revealed his judgment on Judah. The implications of what was about to transpire made his body tremble, his lips quiver, and he felt ill to the bone. I wonder, have you ever had an experience of such dread? Have you ever felt so suddenly drained? His nation was about to be invaded by the most ruthless and violent enemy. Many of the people would be killed, while others would be carried off into exile. Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed and their land would be ruined. Yet despite knowing all of this, despite how he was filled with fear, he would go on to trust and praise the Lord. Verses 17 to 19 in my Bible are labelled as a hymn of faith. And this prayer of faith probably ranks up there with the best declarations of faith that we can turn to. And it certainly resonates with the key message of the book of Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. Verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. So what a fantastic declaration of faith during the most trying of circumstances. Now, in closing, I just want to bring a couple of points to your attention. And the first is, in all circumstances, praise the Lord. Habakkuk and the people of Israel were facing dire and uncertain times. However, their model of prayer was one that declared that the Lord was triumphant, that the Lord would save them, and that they would rejoice in him regardless. And I think that it is a good habit for us to get into to praise the Lord when times are good when times are just so-so and then when times do turn bad we naturally carry over that attitude of praise and worship now I have no idea what this new year holds for you and my hope for all of us is that it is a year of growing in God growing in our own relationships and being blessed in our endeavours But if you are throwing any curveballs, then remember this word of God and this prayer of faith and the encouragement that it brings. And remember to rejoice in the Lord of your salvation no matter what. Secondly, he is the Lord of our salvation now and always. The Old Testament is pretty much a history of his dealings with his people, the Israelites. And at various times he rescues them and he preserves them. And this is a forerunner and a leading up to his ultimate salvation that is available to everybody through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 to 10 is one of the many portions of scripture that describe how we can become one of God's people. So Romans chapter 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. My encouragement this morning is that if you are not one of his people, then find out what all of this means. Find out how God can call you and save you. Now for those of you who know the Lord's salvation, this is a reminder of that. He has always been in the salvation business. He has saved us from our sinful nature. We have continuously been saved from the penalty of our sin. And we will know his ultimate salvation in the fullness of time. And that is our great hope. It is helpful to hold on to that and declare that not only when things are good, but also when disaster strikes. And finally, the righteous shall live by faith. This has been our key message throughout our study of the book of Habakkuk. From chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous shall live by faith. It's such a simple yet powerful message. Our focus this morning has been on how the Lord saves those who belong to him. And that is part of how we live by faith, by trusting in the God who delivers us. us. Now I have a um, final word this morning, and the final word belongs to Asaph the psalmist. And this is from one of those parallel passages that I mentioned earlier, Psalms 77, verses 13 to 15. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracle. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Let's pray. Lord, we just, uh, again, we just come before you and thank you for your word, Lord. And Lord, we just pray for you your encouragement. We declare you as, as a great and mighty God. And Lord, we acknowledge, Lord, that you have saved us and rescued us uh, through many trials and, and many things. You saved us from our sin, Lord, and you're continuing to save us from our sin. Lord, we just pray that as we enter into 2023, Lord, that we just declare you as our God, as the center of all things, that you are our strength, And Lord, may we just implicitly trust in you as we go forward. In Jesus' name, Amen.